I mean, you can you can wrap a turd in the American flag, but at the end of the day, it's still a turd. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely true. This week on the Three Real White Guys podcast, just how connected is the GOP and right-wing media with Russia? Biden, the uniter versus Reynolds, the divider, the State of the Union address, and the GOP rebuttal. And how to recognize it when the GOP is trying to hoodwink our rural communities. Hint. It involves flags and saying freedom a lot. You're listening to the Three Rural White Guys podcast. Kellen Gracie is a data and political scientist. Mike Heaton is a rural entrepreneur and former lobbyist. And Jacob Dodds is an expert in rural health care and emergency services. But ultimately, we are just three rural white guys sitting in our garage drinking beer and discussing how politics impacts our rural communities. Okay, so guys, we have to talk about Ukraine. Yeah. But as we mentioned in last week's episode, we're not war experts. So what I'd like to touch base on, though, and the stuff that's really been one of our biggest frustrations through the last year especially, is this insanity that is right-wing media and their pro-Putin stance that came out just front and center this last week. Let's start there. Let's just call it what it is. I mean, you're a right-wing pundit who's been spouting off this go-get-it patriotic America-first bullshit for however long he's been on the air for, and Russia decides to broadcast you in Russian subtitles on Russian TV as propaganda. Word for word. You've crossed a line. This is little Tuckums we're talking about here. Yeah, yes. Do you have those? Do you have any of those clips? I can pull them up and play them. I think the the one that starts with Eric Swalwell. Republicans who are rooting for Russia, and that makes it very hard for President Biden to get the whole country to go along when Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, and Tucker Carlson are rooting for Russians, and that's being replayed on Russia TV to rally Russians for this cause. So that was like Eric Swalwell. Speaking about Trump, Tucker Carlson, Mike Pompeo, others. And so here is Tucker's response. You know, it's such an awful thing to say. We hesitated even to play that. It's very common. You hear it every day. The question is, why are they saying that? It doesn't make sense. And then so we had a guy in line that then sort of compiled a handful of times where uh, Tucker Carlson came out as very pro-Russia. Russia is a much more significant country by every measure. Why is it disloyal to side with Russia, but loyal to side with Ukraine? They're both foreign countries that don't care anything about the United States. China, which China is the strange. actual threat. Why would we take Ukraine's side? Why wouldn't we add Russia's side? I, I don't, I'm totally confused. So much. Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Has he shipped every middle-class job in my town to Russia? I should say for the record, I'm totally opposed to the to these sanctions, and and I, I don't think that we should be at war with Russia, and I think we should probably take the side of of, of Russia uh, uh, if we have to choose between Russia and Ukraine. That is my view. But Ukraine and Russia, because, and I'm serious. Because, like, why do I I'll tell you why? And why shouldn't I root for Russia, because, which I am? I mean, so just a little bit of context because those last couple of clips were from a couple of years ago, right? Not in the last week, but nonetheless, this is the same message he's been parroting for a very long time. Yeah. Right. And it's not like Putin has been some nice guy. He literally is a warmongering dictator and was before this last invasion. 
He literally did the same thing in 2014. Right. And so when he gets on TV and whines about people using his own words to show other people, hey, this guy maybe is spending too much time in, in Russian propaganda circles. It, it's absolutely fair. I don't, I, I don't understand why he's so surprised. Well, I, I think this is that whole own the libs thing backfiring. So I'm I'm looking at this and and thinking okay he's backtracking he's trying to pretend he's not a just a all in on Putin all in on Russia and I'm thinking back and I'm like that's all the last five years have been about so I'd like to spend the next few minutes just going through some of these connections talking a little more in depth about some of these connections that that Donald Trump his circle and right wing media have with Russia because we have been dealing with this since the very beginning. Of, of Trump's stepping onto the political stage and winning the presidency. I mean, we had the interference by Russia in the 2016 elections. We had the Mueller report that followed that and got, I don't know how many people thrown in jail, indicted uh, for connections with this stuff. And then we had the famous phone call with President Zelensky of Ukraine, the very guy that's on the streets fighting right now uh, to save his country. We had that phone call that, that ended up getting Trump impeached for the very first time. So th those are just some of the big overarching pieces, but there's so many little details. And and if you go back and you look at the transcript between the, the, in the phone call between Zelensky and Trump. So, so when a foreign leader wins an election, it's just common practice for the American president to reach out and say, congratulations to your win. Let's talk about how our countries can work together, unless it's some dictator. Well, it <laughs> depends, depends on who's in office, right? right. Um, but nonetheless, Zelensky wins election and... Basically, right off the bat, uh, Zelensky says something along the lines of, well, we're ready to uh, move forward with our commitments in purchasing weapons for our defense, and even mentions Javelin specifically and says, we're, we're almost ready to make a big purchase uh, for our defense, uh, make, make some more purchases of Javelins, the anti-tank surface-to-surface missiles that are pinpoint deadly accuracy. Which we've heard a lot about this last week. Right. If you're watching any, any news coverage, you, you've heard the word Javelin repeatedly. And... The first things out of Trump's mouth after Zelensky says this is, well, I need you to do us a favor, though. And that's where he gets impeached, right? You had intel officials that are on that call because the president never takes any phone call with anybody by himself unless he's breaking, you know, rules and laws, which, you know, very well could have happened many times in the Trump administration or using an unsecure phone. And, and some of the intel officers, or at least one, uh, became a whistleblower, right? And, and went up the chain of command, reported it to an IG, files this report, who, who sends it over to Congress and says, hey, look at this, the president's doing something that you need to check out, right? And that brings us to impeachment one. Right. And so just to make sure we're all clear, the process of impeachment is partisan. It's political. It's not a fair set of judges nope. overseeing a court case nope. and then exonerating Donald Trump nope. of something. That's not how impeachment works. Right. It's it's a bunch of politicians who are partisan by nature, by election, and they get this opportunity to choose to impeach or not to impeach, and almost always it goes down party lines, but in this case it, it did. It didn't. Well, I think Romney Romney might have been the only one. I think that's right. Mitt Romney was the only senator to break party lines and became the first U.S. senator to vote to convict a president of his own party in an impeachment trial. Right. Which is my point, is that it doesn't happen because it's not, it's not a judicial and fair process, right? It is a partisan vote uh, to impeach somebody. 
And we saw that happen twice with Donald Trump. Almost In both cases, there were connections. You could find connections to Russia. The first time, specifically, it was about Ukraine. And I might add, you all may remember back in 2017, Trump had a face-to-face with Putin. And he went into a closed-off room with interpreters. And then as he left the room, he asked the interpreter for all their notes and kept them. Now, that's not normal procedure. You usually file those with, with the right people, with, with key officials within your administration, and people need to know what the hell was going on. What, what did they decide? What did they agree on? And the president of the United States was in the room with a warlord who is currently attacking a, a sovereign nation, and he was in a room, and he won't tell anyone what was said. Well, and, and, and if you read John Bolton's book... If you can, if you can get past all the self-aggrandizing that he does, so bad. <laughs> he he actually talks about this because him and Pompeo were out in the hallway losing their shit, like they were on the phone with white with White House counsel, like trying to figure out like can he even be doing this? Yeah, and everybody the answer was no, he can't. But he did it anyway. Yeah, right. I mean that that act in and of itself compromised our national security. Yeah. By, by every protocol and definition that our government has for it, that compromised our national security. So, so think of it this way. As I look at this, you know, I, I, we sent a tweet out about this earlier today, but it, it's sort of funny that we completely undermined the Russian economy this last week. So, you know, the state can't pay its, its Russian trolls. And suddenly the whole trucker convoy that's supposed to be protesting D.C. fizzles, right? Right. I, it's that's a more of a joke, you know, maybe that had something to do with it, but you have to wonder, we knew they were interfering. We know they've been online pushing crap on social media. We know they have compromised, historically compromised all kinds of high ranking officials historically in the United States. How deep does this go? How compromised were we? Were we compromised? I mean, I know we're getting to conspiracy level shit here, but like, <laughs> It's it's not just like there's there's smoke everywhere. Yeah, there's like, smoke all over the place. It's it's not like it's something simple. We knew that going in that there was smoke, but there seems to be like fire now. Well, well, you, you can't overlook the the rhetoric and the the in in the various speeches where Trump is trashing NATO, where in all of the private interviews, all these books that are now written after the fact, all these all these private conversations he had with aides around the White House talking about. Oh, I'm going to wait till my second term to pull out of NATO because I know that's incredibly unpopular, right? There's no way I could win re-election after pulling the U.S. out of NATO. And so his plan was win the second term, pull out of NATO. And so this is what infuriates me about these clowns on the Internet who want to blame the Democrats for what's going on in Ukraine. They'll say things like, well, Putin didn't invade Ukraine under Trump. And you're just like, wait, wait a second. Let's let's rewind the tape a little bit here because he he didn't do that because that was part of the plan, right? Part of the plan was wait for Trump to trash NATO, cause all sorts of chaos within that organization in his second term, potentially even try to pull us out of NATO. And then Putin can roll through because the one huge reason why this is such a disaster for Putin right now is because the entire world rallied together. The entirety of NATO the entirety of the EU, all of the Western world came together, slapped every single sanction they could. We still have a few tools in the tool bag, by the way. But basically hit them with everything we could economically. And you, you have to give Biden credit for that. 
if we're in a Trump presidency right now, none of that is happening. We will be reading headlines about how half of the National Security Council is quitting because they don't agree with what's going on. The other half is going nuts and, and you know, they're on TV with the veins popping out of their forehead talking about how Putin is totally justified in what he's doing, right? You would have such chaos going on. It, 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 we had so much chaos in those four years already. I don't think we would have we would have been ready for for what was going on on the on the international stage. You really got to go back and look, look at what Trump was saying, look at the rhetoric, read the books from the from the folks who were on the ground around the White House around the president at the time, and it just paints a picture of, yeah, we, we head down these conspiracy holes, but. I mean, like you say, there's smoke everywhere. Right. Well, let's talk about some of the smoke, right? So so I'm, I'm going through this big list online. You can find them all over the place of all these things that are connected Trump to Russia. We can go all the way back to the Miss Universe pageant, which he promoted all over the place back in, was 2013 or so, where he was just all about Russia going to visit Vladimir Putin. There's, we're not going to get into the P tapes here. But. <laughs> well, the, the I'll tell you though, I, I'm not. I've never been more convinced they exist. I, me neither. Me neither. And, I, and I, I, there's 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 some kind of dirt that he's got on him. There has to be something for him to still for Trump to still be saying shit like Putin's a genius. Right. His his entire country's collapsing. They can't use credit cards in Russia. Yeah. They can't. I'm watching lines of people lining up at the subways because they get there and they're trying to use their Apple Pay and they're like, shit, nothing works. Now, I, I, I'm almost certain the only reason that Putin hasn't been drugged into the street and killed Gaddafi style at this point is because he's in his fucking bunker. Macron, uh, some of the other diplomats and, and foreign leaders who have had in actual direct conversations with Putin, they're saying this guy is not right. He is not right in the head. Some of them say... He's got cancer. Other people are saying he's got like f brain fog from long COVID. Other people are just saying he's gone absolutely paranoid over the last two years because of his age and, and whatnot. He had been avoiding COVID like crazy. So that's why you see pictures of him with his generals. He's 50 feet table. away yeah. at the end of the table. Yeah, because he would supposedly, like if you were going to actually have a face-to-face -face meeting with him, he would require that you isolate for two weeks before he would even before see you. With him. So just a few more contexts of, of just the connections with Russia before we move on to a different topic. So what was the Flynn thing with Russia? He was the backdoor channel, and he, he should have registered as a foreign agent, and he lied on a background check to an FBI agent that right. he had no connections or had not spoken to anybody in Russia. And, and for the, our listeners, who was Flynn? The first national security advisor, the first one, he was there for like 15 days. <laughs> right. Literally. Appointed by President Trump. Appointed by President Trump, brought I, into the White House. I mean, let, let's just break this down in sort of a nonpartisan term, okay, if you're keeping score. Yeah. Because what we've seen from those people that haven't given up on Trump yet is, well, what about, what about Burisma? And what about Hunter's laptop? And what about payments to the big guy? Well, that was Ukraine. Right. Not Russia. And, and the, the same Ukraine that the rest of the world is backing right now. When right. I'm, now, I'm not going to debate whether or not there's any accuracy or whether there's any impropriety with right, that. Right. It doesn't matter. They're, they're not an adversary of the United States. Right. Russia is. The other thing. The list of shit that, that ties Trump to Russia. So you guys might remember that that meeting that Kushner Manafort had in 2000 and with Maria yeah. that that Trump Tower meeting happens in 2016 in the heat of the campaign in the summer and it's between 
it's three senior members of the Trump campaign. So Donnie Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort went to prison. Right, because he was he was all sorts of foreign agents doing foreign agent shit without reporting it, and and all sorts of ties and connections, all sorts of fraud involved, uh, lying about where he's getting assets because they're coming from Russians. You go, might remember Donald Trump on the floor of the Republican National Convention saying, "Hey, Russia, Look if at, you're if you're uh, listening, if you're listening, right?" He specifically called out Russia. What about Sessions? Congress and the FBI examined a campaign event in which Trump, Sessions, and Kushner were at a small gathering with Russian ambassador Kislyak. Yeah, Kislyak. So Sergei Kislyak is the same guy who comes into the Oval Office with with Lavrov, who's the current foreign minister for, for Russia. And this is the guy who Trump gets up. I shit you not. He re- reveals all sorts of classified information that we get from the Israelis. Okay. <laughs> That's so, right. So he's so that. he straight up gives them like classified intel that the Israelis had collected and gave to us because they're our friends. Right. And this, oh my, I, I remember this happening. I'm like, we're we're gonna like we're gonna lose alliances and friends all over the world because this idiot just has to break. Like I could just see him in the room, right? And he's so excited to tell his friends from Russia, hey, you guys wouldn't even believe what the Israelis told me, right? And and then let's not forget, uh, and we discussed this on a previous episode that that part of this whole uh, Durham report. Yes, it oh, wasn't yes. even a report. That that it was whole a filing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that whole thing tied to the fact that the the uh, Trump uh, Trump had a, a secret server in Trump Tower right. tied to Alpha Bank. That's right. Now, who owns Alpha Bank? The Russians. Russians. They, they, yes, the Russians. But more than that, it's owned by Mikhail Friedman, who is one of the Russian oligarchs. Right. Oh, of course. At the end of the day, the Trump Tower server was set to only communicate with a handful of other uh, IP addresses. One of them is Alpha Bank in uh, Russia, and it's the most the uh, of all of the IP addresses that it's configured to work with. This is the one that is just constant data transfers going on, constant data transfers going on. And anyone else that tried to connect couldn't. And so you look at that, and you have to consciously go in and make those settings, you know? So this is a computer that exists in Trump Tower, and it's configured to only communicate with a bank in Russia. Why? Exactly. Why? That is the, that is the billion-dollar question, isn't it? Well, now, now the, the shitter... For all the the Trump fans out there, is there are now massive sanctions on all of these oligarchs, and when you have sanctions slapped on you in the U.S., it is it is much harder to avoid law enforcement, right? Warrants and subpoenas and those kinds of things way easier to obtain, and in often cases aren't even needed to go track down the information for people who are sanctioned as war criminals. Right. If you're tied to a Russian oligarch somehow as an American, you got to be really worried right now. There's got to be PP tapes. There has there to has be <laughs> something. Look, the right? New York Times by April of 2019 had documented that Donald Trump just just during his campaign and his transition, okay? That documented that Donald Trump and 18 of his associates had at least 140 contacts with Russian nationals. Yeah. Or their intermediaries. Then another another uh, group called the Moscow Project. Now, this was an initiative for, from the Center for American Progress, a left-leaning uh, think sure. tank. But they had, by about the same time, mid-2019, documented 272 contacts 
between Trump's team and Russian-linked operatives, including at least 38 direct meetings. None of these contacts were ever reported to the proper authorities, and the Trump team tried to cover up every single one of them. And, and right. guys, it's not like it's not like we were friends with Russia up until last week. No, no. I no. mean, he was. Yeah, but but I've seen that defense made too. Is that well, you know, that that was a different time then. No, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, we've been we've been going back and forth with Russia since the Obama years. In 2015, he told Simon Conway, a radio host here in Iowa, I've always had a good instinct about Putin. I just feel that that's a guy I, that I can analyze people in. Or sorry, I can't read his quotes. There's makes so much no sense. I just feel that that's a guy, and I can analyze people. There we go. And you're not always right, and it could be that I won't like him, but I've always had a good feeling about him from the standpoint. Like that's his quote. So I'm not going <laughs> to quote. It makes no sense, but it's obviously pro Putin as you read it over and over again. He says he's brilliant in 2015. I'm not going to like. Well, it, it, he, it, during that time frame, in the 2015-2016 time frame, Trump was going around talking about how he has this relationship with Putin. He says yeah. he's met him. He said, I spoke both indirectly and directly with Putin, who could not have been nicer. And then in the heat of the campaign, as we're heading up to Election Day, completely changes his stance. Well, oh, I don't know Putin. Right. In, in this press conference in July of 2016, he says, I've never met Putin. I don't know who he is. I've never spoken to him. But he just spent years telling yeah. us... Telling us that he did. That alone is shady as fuck. Yeah. Like, what? You spent years t bragging about how you know Putin. And um, there was this trip that he described in The Art of the Deal. If you read through it, it's this trip uh, where he they're going around and looking for potential sites for hotels, including several near Red Square. He was impressed with the ambition of the Soviet officials. This is back in, in 86, this, this, alleged, this trip that occurs. That's described in The Art of the Deal. It's described in Donald Trump's book. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, there's, there's so much here. It's, it's like mind boggling. I, and, and honestly, this is in, in debate. This is called a gish gallop, right? And what's a, what's a gish gallop? A gish gallop is when you're, when you're debating somebody in some sort of formal setting and their whole strategy is to just toss as much shit at you as possible that you forget to respond to something. And if you're in a, a formal uh, policy debate, especially at the high school or college level, uh, they talk really fast. It's called speed reading, and they, they, they have something. They'll read a headline or a summary of it, and then they'll blast through like a couple paragraphs of text real quick in a matter of seconds. And the whole idea is it, it, the, the judge in the room is going to take notes for everything, at least the tagline for it, but not going to pay attention to the paragraph, maybe a little bit if they're really paying attention. But the idea is the judge will, will, will take notes, all this stuff, will have those, all these arguments that you make. The other team might not catch something, right? And then the next round, you can get up and say, oh, they ignored this, right? And then you just hammer them on that, that one thing that, that blows up their entire case that they refuse to, to acknowledge in the last go-round. That is the same strategy that Donald Trump uses. It's, I, I, there are things out there I know people don't want to know about me, or I know, I know that I don't want other people to know. And instead of arguing with people about it, just throw so much shit out there. Create outrage after outrage after outrage that you forget about it, right? Like, I'm going through this list of, of ties between Trump and Russia, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this shit. Right. You're just like, I, that, was, that feels like a decade ago, but really it was like just a few years ago. Right. And 
I'm going through this, and I'm like, yeah, I remember all of this being in the in the news. I remember reading these New York Times articles. I remember reading these books. I remember the the testimony. The Mueller report in general is about what, if any, ties between the Trump campaign existed with Russia. And this is how Paul Manafort ends up getting arrested and right. indicted. So we found people in Trump's circle from that process and threw him in prison. Yeah, multiples. George Papadopoulos was the first one. He was sitting at lunch in a in London and was blabbing about how he had just met a Russian official as, right. as an official member of the Trump campaign. And a reporter happens to be sitting next to him, hears him, takes notes and blasts it all over the place. And then the FBI calls. Right. Says Papadopoulos, we got Manafort, Flynn got caught lying about his connections. These are all people that, all that Trump Jeff had in his inner circle yeah. that got called out by the Mueller report. And yeah. some of these, I mean, like Flynn, he was in charge of national security. Yeah. So that's screwed up. That's so screwed up. And that all on the heels of Russian interference in that election. Yeah, You have to also talk about. Trump, I, that's the other thing. There's been all this talk of, oh, sanctions. Oh, Biden's so weak with the sanctions, which it's working. But let's talk about how Trump responded to, to Putin's assholery throughout this whole time. I mean, for Christ's sakes, the guy was putting bounties on our soldiers in Afghanistan. Oh, my gosh. I and Trump just went, that. Trump just went, oh, well, you know. Didn't do shit about it. They <laughs> had to pressure him to even talk about it. I mean, that, that should, and, and I said back then. Why is the right not losing their shit about this? That was the moment I thought they're going to dump him. Yep. They're going to finally dump him. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Not a fucking word. So <laughs> why isn't the right losing their shit about this? There's a reason. Are they compromised? Are they, is enough of them compromised that they're going to lose all their power if it if they do turn around and fight against this? Is fucking COVID Kim compromised? I mean, her whole response last night to the State of the Union, which we'll get to a little bit, was a whole is disaster. I don't know that they're compromised. They think they've backed this lie for five years. How do you get out of that? Yeah, that's the thing is they got so in deep, right? I, I see these things on TikTok now. These people will go up and interview people at, at right-wing rallies or Trump rallies. And I saw one today where this guy's going on about how Biden's not really president, Trump's still president. And so the guy counters him and he goes, so you, you think that Joe Biden is not president and Donald Trump is? And he goes, yep. Yep. And he goes, so Biden's not really to blame for the inflation and the gas prices. That's Trump. And he goes, well, no, 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 no. And he goes, well, then whose fault is it? And he goes, Joe Biden. Well, you got to understand there's a lot of things to this. <laughs> and it's like. That was a knee jerk reaction. Right? right. How do you come up with this? This is why I just I can't with these fucking people anymore. Mike, I just can't. I hear you loud and clear. I hear you loud and clear. So so what I am getting at, though, with this statement, because what you just described to me was two different people, right? One is this guy who's fallen hook, line, sinker for all this crap. Right. And just can't process, but, but there's, right? I think I think there's still that belief that there's so many of those people out there that right. vote that they will lose power if they come out and go against Trump. What does compromise mean? That's what I'm getting at is because they are so dug into this whole lie and they're espousing it openly now. You listen to all the shit that's coming out of the right wing. That is compromised. They are not willing to tell the truth. They are willing to go along with a false narrative in order to keep their power. They're compromised. 
They have fallen hook, line, and sinker for Putin's stuff, even if they did not hold the P-tape. Yeah, in that sense, they absolutely are. They'll lose everything they have. And to me, that's the point. That's the definition of being compromised. It's not so direct like blackmail, but they're going to lose all this shit if they actually speak the truth. Well, I think the other thing of it, too, is, and this is this is really kind of a whole nother podcast episode, but if they give this up and, and it's not about Trump anymore, because let's face it, he's still front and center of that party. They're going to actually have to adopt real policy again. <laughs> They're not going to be able to stand out here with this raw, raw, patriotic, uh, you know, we're here for the American people shit. But isn't a 4% flat tax a patriotic freedom, liberty, go, go America? <laughs> freedom. Freedom. And just for our listeners, our local state rep just passed a, what, 3.9% flat tax uh, for the state. Or voted on it, and then when he promoted it locally to our local in our newspapers, social media, he just called it. It's about American freedom, and he basically wrapped it in an American flag, you know, to make it sound a lot better. And and here's what I'll say about that because I had this debate last night, and I'm all I, I get it. I haven't filed my taxes yet, but everybody that I have talked to so far this year has gotten fucked by the state. <laughs> yeah, so like I get it. Great, let's not pay as much in taxes. But I also understand that the state still has to provide a certain level of service. And how are they going to do that with a $1.6 billion budget shortfall in revenue? Where is that coming right. from? That right. means that they jack up prices on hunting licenses, vehicle registrations. There's going to be an increase in sales taxes and property taxes. If the school districts aren't getting the money that they used to, your property taxes are going to go up. So, yeah, you might get more in your, your, your take-home pay, like, Kim promised, but ultimately you won't have as much money. Well, and the more money that you make, the less you will pay in taxes. Right. And the, the, the false narrative there that I find just sad and just really just sad. So we have here in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, it's primarily manufacturing. That's our industry. It's connected to ag, which everybody sort of assumes, but it's manufacturing jobs that 15, 16 bucks an hour type jobs. They're making what? 30, 36,000 a year with those jobs. Right. So the HR directors, not the local ones that are dealing with issues, but the ones that are setting wages, they're not here in Iowa. They're like in Houston, Texas. They're part of some C-suite executive group uh, conglomerate down in Houston or in South Carolina or, or New Jersey, right? They're setting how much is available for you to do the work. And they know, they know what people will work for. They got that down to a science. Well, it's based on the market. Exactly. I mean, and if it, they have a plant here versus a plant outside of San Francisco, the pay is going to be completely different. Exactly. And they know that people will work for roughly 3000 bucks a month here in Mount Pleasant, Iowa for 36000 a year, roughly, say taxable income at that level, right? So the state legislature, they're going to pass this flat tax, right? So two years down the road, when inflation demands a 3% increase on everybody's wages, because inflation, people tend to do that. They give 1% or 2% increases, sometimes 3%. Those same companies are going to be like, listen, it was a hard year. It's always a hard year as they take their bonuses. But it was a hard year. And so we're only going to do a 1% increase. But guess what? You're, this is when the tax, the new thing that your, your awesome state legislators, Freedom, took care of your, your paychecks for you. So they're going to give you a 2% savings from not taxing you, which is really like a 3% pay increase. So you're going to be taking home an extra $60 a month that you, but it's not coming from the corporation. So my point is that manufacturing worker, 
they were going to get a 3% increase in 2026. Now they're going to get a 3% increase. Well, they're going to get a 1% increase and a 2% discount because they don't pay the taxes. They're going to make the same damn amount of fucking money. It's not going to change. But guess what? That's $1.6 billion that's going into the pockets of a handful of corporate people leaving our state, and it's not going to our schools. And I can I just say we have a school down the way called Cardinal uh, School District. Um, Cardinal Velden. Cardinal Velden School District that just voted to go to four days a week for schooling. And it's not because the teachers were lazy and just wanted to work four days a week. They can't afford it to, to hire teachers for more than four days. So tell me, as a parent, I don't know what i do with my kids on Friday. Like... We can't afford to even teach our kids right now with the funding we're providing our school system. And now we're going to take $1.6 billion out of it, put it in the pockets of corporations that don't even live here. And I have Joe Mitchell put in a newspaper article in my newspaper saying, congratulations, more money in your pocket. Freedom! Yeah, more like, freedom. Right? What the fuck? Not only that, but along that four-day school week thing, I mean, there's all this bitching about, you know, the young kids just don't have any work ethic right now and the, the pull-you-up-by-your-bootstraps crowd. When they do 13 years of four-day, essentially, work weeks and then they have to go out in the real world right. and work yeah. five, right? yeah. They're not going to want to do it. No. Well, and, and and it's also important to understand that when you when you slash this money out of the income tax, they have to make up for that in other ways, or or not make up for it at all. Right. And cut, cut programs. And cut programs yeah. Right. Those are those are the kinds of costs that hit the poor and the middle class hard. Yes. Because yes. the percentage that they save in terms of tax dollars isn't nearly as big as the percentage saved on the wealthy. Right. The, the amount of a windfall that that you know two or three percent. To cut in terms of your taxes comes for in terms of a wealthy person who's making a million dollars a year, right? That three percent is way bigger than the three percent on somebody who's making thirty grand right. a year. And what do they care if the public school system goes to hell? They can they can pay to send their well, kids to a private school. And you know, this is uh, my educational background is in public administration, and I I fucking hate it when people compare a government budget to a household budget because it is not the same thing. Right. But let's do that for a second. Since they, since conservatives like to do that so much, right? Uh, so you have your household budget and it's set at X, and you you spend X amount of dollars. That's what it costs you to live, and then you've got some disposable income to throw out there. Do you voluntarily take a cut and pay? I mean, voluntarily? Do, you, do you, yeah? Do, you, do you, does anybody do that? I mean, granted, yeah, there's people that say I'm going to take the cut and pay to get out of this shitty job, but but I mean. If your if your budget's based off of that, and you're living pay, let's say you're living paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. can you afford even if your job sucks? Can you afford to take the cut and would you voluntarily take a cut and pay? Nope. That's what that's what the Iowa government is doing right now. Right. And they're and she's touting her two billion dollar budget surplus, which has dick to do with how the state was run. It's because of the COVID relief funds that they got. Right. That they refused to spend other than the 450000 that she now has to pay back because she used it to pay her own staff. Yeah. We're, We're not taking screwed. care of the shit that needs to be taken care of. We're too busy passing stupid fucking laws that protect doctors using inappropriate COVID treatments. Yep. We're, we're trying to make it so that we can go back 100 years in public health by not requiring vaccinations for shit like polio and rubella and mumps and measles. You know, that stuff that we don't worry about anymore because people used to just go get vaccinated without any question before it became a big political thing. 
here's the thing is you might be listening to this, this podcast and we first turned on this podcast, started this podcast back a year ago. Plus, um, we would get sort of hate in our local community. Someone would say something. I'd be like, Oh, you listen to it. Thanks. And they would immediately say, no, I haven't listened to it. And I just, I can't. And I'd be like, wait, what the fuck? Like you don't, you haven't listened to it yet. You're criticizing it. Why? And I think the reason is, is they think we're attacking them. Like our community members, people that voted for Donald Trump. Right. And to some degree we have not the people we're talking to, but to the crazies that we talk about all the time that are doing what you just described a little while ago, where they just, no matter what you say, they're going to be pro-Trump, right? No matter what logic you give. But here's the thing. The vast majority of people here in Mount Pleasant, we actually like. We live here for a reason. They have values, things we care about. They're connected with our family. They're, they're interested in the same things we're interested in. They like going hunting. They like the open spaces. They like the lack of fences. Like it's, they, they value similar things to us. So what we're mad about, we're mad that they're getting conned, that our friends and our family are getting conned by the extreme members of the Republican Party, whether or not they are compromised by Russia, whether or not they're just compromised by the system that they don't want to lose power, whether or not they're compromised by their donors for their campaigns, they're compromised and they're screwing over our neighbors as a result. So I just want to be clear. We love our community. We live here for a reason. We love our neighbors. 99% of them, we love rural. This is why we're here, right? But... They're getting screwed over. And you could you could see it in prime time this week as part of the State of the Union. First, we had Biden give his State of the Union speech, and that was followed by Kim Reynolds, who was selected from the state of Iowa to give the entire national GOP's uh, rebuttal. And the differences were palpable and obvious that one is out to actually make our rural economies better, and the other is out to just cause tension and division and try to get people riled about, up about issues that have no impact on them. Right. So let's talk about what we heard from Biden, the good and the bad, because we haven't always laid off of Biden. But what did you hear during the State of the Union first that really caught your attention? Maybe, maybe rolled your eyes a little bit, but mostly got you fired up. Well, I missed, I missed the first 15 or 20 minutes of it. I mean, I was able to listen to it. We, Mike and I were at our kids choir concert, so we missed the first part of it. And I, I was able to listen to it on POTUS on XM last night on the drive home, and then I turned the TV on right away. Um, Let's be honest. It was kind of Donald Trump light. How so? I mean, he talked about immigration and how there needed to be tighter border security. Um, I mean, he, oh, it he, was it pissed the progressives off. If you if you watched any of the liberal coverage of it today. You had all the liberals super pissed. <laughs> super pissed. It was the return of the centrist moderate Biden. Which yeah. I wasn't shocked. No. Me, I mean, we, we knew who nobody, we elected when, right. when we elected it. That was part of the reason right. he got elected was because he's a he's an old school central Democrat. And, right. and I've got, I actually had no problem with any of the things he say. I say that just because of the fact that that's what I saw on Fox today was that they were calling it Donald Trump light. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, it was. And, and it still amazes me, obviously, amongst the lawmakers. I mean, they were clapping for some of the things that he said. Right. Which I think is part of the reason Bobert's getting so much backlash today for being a dumbass from them is because a lot of them were like, okay, we've, we actually had a normal 
a normal State of the Union speech for right. once. Right. I think there, I saw a lot of praise for what he said about Ukraine. And a lot of the fact checkers more or less said that pretty much what he said was true. Some of it was a little out of context. Yeah, Some of it needed there. more context or whatever. But for the most part, you don't really lie about anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is definitely a departure from previous years. So if you were if you were a Republican that truly believed in those conservative principles, you should have walked away from that saying, gee, maybe the guy's not as bad as we thought he was. Even happy. Happy. <laughs> uh, the 15, 20 minutes at the start that you missed was the Ukraine part. He had multiple standing ovations from everybody in the room. Right. And I was watching it live. The, the Republicans stood up and clapped for him. Yeah. I can imagine some of them didn't. They didn't do the whole pan around the room to see everybody. I can imagine Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert never stood up for him. So, I mean, if, if you're one of the tur- one of the hundreds of thousands of turds that I've seen today posting on social media, the various news stories about it, about still what a piece of shit you think Biden is or that he he stood up there and lied, then you're just a partisan identity hack and you really don't yeah. care about policy. You, you're all about the party. That's right, because that, that was a speech that was real long on policy to the point where it was hella boring. Well, Nancy Pelosi, I thought, was going to pass out behind <laughs> she, at one point. She was like, okay, old man, when let's she get going. Started rubbing her hands yeah, together. Yeah. She, she was she tired. Was, she was mouthing something to Kamala. Like, yeah. yeah, almost every time he said something there towards the end. Yeah. And I mean, there was the usual right-wing shit of the fact that, oh, he can't form a coherent sentence. Dude has a stuttering problem. Has I, I've, entire- like... Yeah. We elected a very the oldest president in United States history. Right. He's like, old. He has a speech impediment, or he did, yeah. that he, he's been struggling with his whole life. Yeah. They're not wrong. No, he, they're he, not wrong. He's not well-spoken. But, but my point is is that, that the, the central theme, both on Ukraine and on everything else, was uh, you look at the Ukrainian people. They have come together to defend their country against one of the largest militaries in the world. And so far, they've been holding them off. Yeah. you know. And then he talks about internal policy and all the things that this country has had to deal with in the last two years and that there's a there's a way out of this but it's going to take all of us yeah which is a complete departure from what we've heard for the last four years right and then you got reynolds that comes out with this completely tone deaf same old bullshit gop grievance talking points that critical are over exaggerated. Yep. It's critical race theory, it's and it's more divisiveness. Well, it's, yeah. What what were they? Because I think it's it's easy for us to say that yeah. as somewhat progressive, but like it literally was these things. So what were they? It was it was critical race theory. It was complaining about Democrat COVID policies, all the stuff that that doesn't matter. All the grievance politics from a year ago that we were so sick and tired of a year ago. But she went on and on about essentially. Shit that doesn't matter. So talking about how these elites in Washington want to tell you what happens in your kid's classroom, right? Which isn't what's going on. Talking about how uh, tyranny in terms of democratic policies, in terms of masks and vaccines, right? That's that's not what's going on. Uh, it was just this same tired crap uh, talking about inflation, talking about gas prices, as if the world didn't just reopen from a global pandemic, Right, supply and demand, trying to get back into line with each other. On top of the fact that there's a gigantic armed conflict going on in Eastern Europe that's causing oil prices to spike. Right. It's just, it's completely, it, it, it's, it's obviously willful. I, I don't, I don't think she's that stupid. I really don't think she's so stupid that she doesn't understand that the gas prices going up right now are not the fault of Joe Biden. 
Right. But she knows that if she and the Republican Party just repeat that often enough, people believe it. Right. And they put those stupid fucking stickers on those gas pumps. You see these? Oh, yeah. The yeah I did yeah. it with Biden pointing at the gas price. Yep. And it's like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yeah, I go back all the way to after the 2020 elections where I had a couple friends on, on Facebook who I respect. I like them. They're good people. Like nothing. I have no nothing against them at all. But one of them posted, a couple of them posted, you know, I, I get where we're at. And I believe that that Biden won. But I really think that our elections need to be looked at. I think we have a lot of issues with the safety around fraud and all that kind of stuff of our elections. And we need to address that. Right. And I responded to it. I'm like, okay, what are you talking about? Because we had the biggest turnout, the safest, no fraud in Iowa. Election. Some of those were hand counted. Yeah. In, in, in Iowa history, okay, best elections ever in terms of fraud, in terms of turnout, all that stuff. And you're telling me we need to make changes. So, and, and that became the sentiment across the board. They kept on, like you said, they repeated the same thing over and over and over again. That even this person who I have the greatest respect for, who's a smart guy, says it on Facebook and shares it with his friends. And he gets likes from other community leaders here who believe the same thing because they're reading about it and hearing about it on Fox News and from the president. And then we go as a state... And we change it. We change our elections. We make it harder to vote. We limit the amount of days we have. We literally did legislation based off that repetitiveness of things that aren't true. And guys, we're sick of that. We're sick of this, this shit. That they're, they're screwing, they're getting them to focus on that. And then they're doing a 4% flat tax that's going to screw us all over in 2026. Like it's all, it's all misdirection shit. Smoke and mirrors. It is. Look over here while we fuck you over there. Yeah. And they're and they're banking off it. They're making one point well, six billion dollars off it's it. It's working. Yeah, it's working. Yeah. Well, that's why I I want to know. I I think I've said this before, but I want to know what has what has happened under our Republican supermajority in Iowa, right? Or even when Trump was in office, what has happened that your life is better because of it? I mean, don't don't bring up border shit. Because you don't really lose any sleep at night about what's going on at the border. We live here in fucking Iowa. We're not on the border. And I'm not saying, I'm not downplaying that that's something that's important, but you don't give a shit about what's going on in another state. You barely give a shit about what's going on outside of Henry County. I'm getting really aggressive again. I should probably stop. No, I think sometimes you got it. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, that's, that's the stuff that they always point to when you ask that question. It's like, no, how is your life better now than it was five years ago? Right. How? What, what has improved? What has improved here locally? Healthcare? No. Definitely. We've lost services here. Definitely Lots not education. Education's gone down. Poverty's gone up. Yeah. Poverty. So so what has benefited you? I mean, that's that's what I want to know. Uh, farmers, farmers still not only support Trump, but vote Republican. And I don't understand why. Although that's changing. If you talk to an, if you talk to enough farmers, you're starting to see the sentiment go away. It's hard to bullshit a farmer. It is. And I I really do see, I've heard that same similar to what you've described too, Jacob, around the community. There's some people starting to wake up a little bit. They're starting to change and be like, this is, they don't want to admit it because they've, they've gotten hook, line, sinker for the last five years on it. Right. But 
it's gotten to the point now. They're like, what the fuck? So we need to give them a way out. That's right, man. They've been screwed over. Well, I, I feel like that's why we're. I feel like that's why we're getting hate from elected officials all the way up in northwestern Iowa. Yeah, because we are showing that we're not going to be fucking quiet about this anymore. Right. Like you guys are going to actually have to start defending your positions right. and and not just spouting this bullshit. He came on there with this typical own the lib bullshit. Right. And I I just responded back like I'm not even going to waste my time with this. Like that's not even. You, you you provided no rebuttal to it. You right. just basically said I'm I'm stupid, and you didn't explain why you think I'm stupid. Uh, and and it became clear that it was about getting the last word. Yeah, that's all they <laughs> all the facts and show that you're right. They're gonna they're gonna. Yeah, it's it, like playing chess with a fucking pigeon. Pigeon. Yeah. At the end of the day, <laughs> even if you win, he's just gonna strut all over the board, shit all over the place, and claim he won. Right. And yeah. again, you know. We don't hate Republicans. We don't hate conservatives. I want to sit and have reasonable policy debate over these things. But we can't. But we can't because so it's it's just become this, Own the this black hole of fucking bullshit. Yeah. And a lot of people can't even defend their position. Especially when they start going down that path. How is this not Biden's fault? Because Putin didn't invade under Trump and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it doesn't matter how much you show them in terms of facts. And you set that timeline up for them. And you're like, here is the development of this for the last five years. This didn't all just happen in the last week. Yeah. Like, he, this asshole got impeached for withholding defense aid for this for Zelensky. Yeah. Literally, three years ago. This is what he got impeached for the first time. And I, I don't think what a lot of our listeners understand is that we aren't these liberals that moved to to rural Iowa and started starting to spout. Yeah, we're trying to ways. we're trying to change it to our you know our big city ways. Yeah, that's not who we are. Like I know I of all of us started the farthest right. I think because I didn't grow up. I grew up in a super Republican family. My uncle was a state representative for Iowa. I I put up a signs. I was a Republican until probably. Two or three years after college. So college didn't even change me. I lobbied for the Iowa Catholic Conference. I mean, I was very far right. It would have been interesting to know you back then. Oh, it was yeah. I was a different guy. <laughs> but here here's the reality though, is is you start to see through some of this crap, especially when you're lobbying. You and they they joke about it. You hear the lobbyists and the campaign organizers joking about it, and you suddenly realize you've been had. And so that was my beginning. I started looking into this shit. You just have to look below the surface and you start seeing inconsistencies. Then you look a little deeper and you talk to people and you're like, oh, fuck, I've been had. I've been completely had. And it's really depressing to actually come to that conclusion. And especially when I was lobbying and, and pushing things through that weren't based on reality or fact. But the fact is a lot of rural folks have been had. Because we've we've grown to trust the Republican Party. I knew I trusted them. I thought anything they said had to be right. But the reality is they were taken advantage of. I was taken advantage of. And once I came to that understanding, I started paying attention. One of the reasons I'm part of this podcast and I joined you guys to do this is because I wanted to put out there to the world some of the shit I've learned as a, as a recovering conservative. Because I know it's bullshit. Now, the left does it too. Don't get me wrong. But it's nowhere near the craziness and and really unethical approaches that the right does right now. I just want to put that out there. Some of our listeners that have been caught up in this mess, it, there is a way out of this. And it doesn't mean you have to go super AOC 
and and Bernie Sanders style liberal. Right. Yeah, in fact, I I'm very opposed to that far left wing <laughs> of yeah. the party. And yep. and this is coming from Kellen, who's probably our farthest left yeah. of this. Group. Yeah, if you go on our Twitter, we get we get hate from the Bernie Bros too. Yeah, we oh, do so much. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I block just as many of them as I do the, the far right. <laughs> and at the same time, though, you can't dismiss one or the other as if they're both equally bad because they're not. One is far far worse than the other. And let me give you an example here that with the AF pack, what do you call that? The AFPAC, the America first political action committee. Yeah. That one where Nick Fuentes, the, the known white supremacist, uh, gets the entire crowd chanting Russia, Russia. And then fucking Marjorie Taylor Greene oh, walks right on stage right after oh, this happened. She I, walks on stage. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't affiliate with that. I was just yeah, asked to did. speak. Okay. Here's, here's the clip. Well, they say about America, they say diversity is our strength, you know. And I look at China and I look at Russia. Who Can we give a round of applause for Russia? Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, they say about America. So, so if you're a conservative... And you hear that, and you're as furious as we are about it. You have a choice to make. Because the, the extremists on, on the liberal side of it, they want free college for people. <laughs> right. Healthcare. That, that, that's what the extremists on your side are. And I'm not saying that you need to come over to our side, but you have got to get your, your house back in order. You need to be reaching out to your... If you're an Iowan, you need to be reaching out to your senators and representatives. But you need to be reaching out to them and saying, get your fucking house in order. Get your fucking house in order, Mitch McConnell. We need the people to pay attention and actually talk about what's going on in their lives. And as we pointed out last episode, there's this whole group of people that just simply say, I'm not into politics. But guess what? It's too late. You have to be now. You're getting screwed over. Our communities are dying here in rural America because you keep saying, I just, I don't talk about politics. I don't want to get into that kind of stuff. Guess what? Cardinal, they're fucked. They're never going to recruit a young family to come live in that community again because they need someone to take care of their kids five days a week, not four. So like they're fucked. They'll close. They're going to consolidate. Eldon, Iowa is going to just completely deteriorate as a town and it's gone. And so we have to pay attention to what's going on. We can't just dismiss it as, oh, that's politics. I don't get into politics. If you, you check out the my current blog post that I, I, I wrote for this, kind of talking about this sort of nationalist patriotism thing that the Republicans kind of think that they have this uh, monopoly on. Um, again, I'm not asking you to give up your central core beliefs. But you, all I'm asking you to do is sit back and look at the policies that have been acted, enacted under Republican leadership and, and ask yourself honestly, have you benefited from them? Has your town gotten better? Has your little rural town in South Central Iowa improved under Donald Trump or improved under Kim Reynolds? Jacob has a really good line in that blog post. And I, can you say it real quick? Because I think it's really important. <laughs> I think it really is. Well, I mean, you can, you can wrap a turd in the American flag. But at the end of the day, it's still a turd. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely true. It's so true. And so when you just be on the lookout for that shit 
And and those should be like flags for you when you see that. So like this article that Joe Mitchell wrote the other day about the tax cuts meaning freedom. Like he he threw what I would call a red flag word in there that just should should alert you to the fact that you're being scammed. Yeah, it's the right? turd wrapped in the flag. Yeah, they wrap the turd, right? <laughs> so when you see that, when they use patriotism and freedom, all good important things if you actually look at the real definitions of them, but a tax cut from one to another level is not the epitome of freedom. We see what freedom is really in Ukraine right now. We know what tyranny is. Just look at Ukraine. Look what we did 200 plus years ago in our country. That's freedom. Not we're going to lower your taxes, right? So look for the turds wrapped in the American flag because Republicans like to give them to you on a silver platter. And when you see it, when you see those key words, those buzzwords, pay attention. Actually go and do your research on sites that aren't confirmation bias. Go look and actually see what the opposition is saying about that bill and look at your own self and look at your own situation and see if it actually will help. Okay, guys, I think we're, we're about out of time, but I want to say thank you to all our listeners for sticking with us through this last hour. Uh, a lot of crazy things happening right now. We're excited to continue the conversation next week on the Three Real White Guys podcast, and we'll talk soon. 